What's going on guys? Welcome to the sixth episode of Dime Dropper coming to you from Los Angeles, California as always. Before we get started, please remember to follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod as well as to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast and of course follow us on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to leave a review and make sure to keep giving me feedback. I got a not a lot, I should say, but some really good feedback for the New York State of Mind episode with Lucas. Once again, thanks to Lucas for coming on. I've gotten a lot of reviews about how well he did. So we'll definitely have him back to talk basketball in the future. But guys, once you listen to one of my episodes, like you guys all know me. Even if you don't know me, please text me or you know hit me on Instagram or Twitter all of what you think. Give me your feedback. I want to, if you finish my episode, the first thing you should do, I don't, even if you're busy, text Darian, hit me up, and I want to hear what you have to say. So for today's episode, it's going to be a little shorter. It's going to be just me, just you guys and myself. And we're going to, it's going to be the first segment of what I'm calling the Coast to Coast Report. If you guys have any better suggestions for names, I'm more than willing to listen. And that is when I talk about the three teams that I said when I first introduced my podcast that I'm going to really be covering on a full-time basis, especially more so when we have a regular season, not the GSL. And that are the Celtics, Clippers, and Lakers. So right now, let's start with the Clippers. And for us, we had that really good bounce-back victory over the Pelicans since the last time I was talking about the Clippers on the podcast. And I was really happy to see it. And for the Clippers, once again... It just starts in the beginning. It comes. It starts with how they begin games. A big problem for the Clippers this year has been our lazy starts, especially on the defensive end. We come out with little to no intensity, and Kawhi is not guarding the best player a lot of time to start the game, which gets him not as engaged defensively. You know, we always talk about offensive rhythm with basketball players. There's a little bit. There's something to defensive rhythm as well. I think I've noticed when we went on that winning streak before the um, season got shut down. A lot of the reason why we started out so well in games was because, not just because we were fully healthy, because Kawhi would guard the best player to start games. And that gets him in rhythm defensively, just like it could get him in rhythm offensively. And it gets the whole team uh, more serious because we know how good Kawhi is on defense when he is defending. And, of course, we had that really heartbreaking loss to the Suns. And the reason why we lost that game, to me, was fully just lack of, of, you know, taking the opponent seriously. I mean, once again, lazy to start that first half on defense. I remember there was one play in the game, and I want to start doing video breakdowns to kind of like break shit down for you guys that I'm seeing. Paul George on a made basket, and you know, Paul George has been fantastic since the restart. Like in the GSL, he's been killing it. This is the best Paul George has looked since he started for us. And a very good defender too, PG. But one thing I noticed was on a made basket, like, he didn't even know he was guarding Devin Booker, who had, he'd been guarding the first couple minutes of the game, and Book's getting a wide-open three, the first three he made of many. And, like, that's what I mean when the Clippers are just giving players, like, not to say that Devin Booker is not confident in himself, but just giving players opportunities to get confident as the game goes by giving them open shots. A similar situation happened when Kawhi Leonard was a little lazy getting over a screen against Ricky Rubio, and Rubio laid it in, and then the next play he came down and hit a contested three. Like, just... When you let players see the ball go in the basket, and it's not like, and you're making them not have to work too hard to do so, you're just giving them confidence that they don't need. And the Clippers can really do without that. And they did without that against the Mavericks, who they beat. By the way, props to Devin Booker, unbelievable shot and a great performance. I mean, that kid is special. 
Um, I'll talk about the Suns when we close out, but for the Clippers, next game against Dallas was a lot better, and I saw that difference in defensive intensity to start the game. They came out with a point to prove. The offense wasn't going crazy in the beginning. We weren't hitting like crazy. We were only up, I think, 25-23 after the first quarter. But because our defense was good and we stayed the course, we ran away with it. And we got contributions from everyone. And I'm loving. And right now, guys, I'll tell you one thing. I regret one thing. Uh, not regret. I'll take back one thing. I said I want the GSL bubble to be popped. And the way it's looking right now, I don't want it to be popped. And the reason why is because the Clippers look really good. That's really the reason why. And the Lakers don't. And, you know, the only reason why I wanted it popped was because I just, you know, I'm still like, my point still stands. I'm still not really fucking with this season all that much because right now the regular season, like I'm still so basketball obsessed that I can lock into a basketball game regardless of the fans or not. But if you're telling me, do I like that product for the playoffs? Would I rather, and everyone's like, well, it's better than nothing. For me, I'd rather have nothing. Because the thing is, there's never nothing with me when it comes to basketball. I'm currently, like, I've stopped, like, I was talking about last episode where I'm doing my evolution of basketball. I've been tweeting about that. And I've slowed down, as if you haven't noticed, because of the GSL. I've been, you know, writing on it. I've been watching it. And I haven't been watching, you know, you know I kept going with my evolution of basketball. Right now, I'm on the conference finals of 1972 between... Uh, the Lakers, who have the best record of all time at the time, 69 and 13, and the defending champion Bucks with Kareem. So hopefully, I can, you know, hopefully there's some games on YouTube of that. But I haven't been watching it as much because I've been, you know, watching this GSL. So for me, I still stand by what I said. The playoffs is still a fucking joke to me that to be in an empty gym. But I will say this the NBA has done as well of a job as they can, given the circumstances, to provide a game experience. Obviously, the players are going to play hard regardless. You know, this is still going down in the history books as the NBA playoffs. So, of course, the players are going to play hard, and they've had four months to wait for it. But, um, like, just everything between the, you know, obviously the court looks weird because it just says NBA, and it's very generic. Once again, glorified Summer League-esque. Shout out to Drew Gooden, by the way, who said the glorified Summer League on NBA TV the other day. Got a really good kick out of that. But um, in terms of like the arena, like the, you know, the players are still there wearing their jerseys. You know, you've got the, the you know, some pe public address announcers there. Like I see our Clipper PA announcer, Eric Smith there. I see Denver Nuggets public address announcer, Kyle Speller there. You know, I see some authenticity to it. And I also, the main thing I noticed, guys, is if you really pay attention, like the songs that are played in the stadiums for certain teams, like the Let's Go Clippers or the Let's Go Rockets kind of has a, as opposed, actually, I mean, it's hard for me to do it. All of them kind of sound like that. But you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. The exact song used for certain teams they've brought to the bubble. Like, for example, I don't know if I can even do it, but the Clippers one is like, like, you know, and not very organy. It's kind of like trappy and stuff like that. Like, the Lakers have a more organ because, like, you know, they used to have the organ there. Lakers have that more vintage feel to their games. Clippers was kind of like some trappy-ass beat. A DJ Dents made. But anyway, back to basketball. Clippers got a good win. And then we are just uh, recording this right after the Clippers just won a shocking game against the Blazers by literally resting Kawhi, resting Patrick Beverly, and resting Montres Harrell. I'm sorry, not resting Montres Harrell. Montres Harrell hasn't arrived at the bubble yet with the death of his grandma. We wish Montres the condolences, best condolences, best to his family because. I love Montrez Harrell. No one works harder than him. There are a few players in the whole league that work as hard as him. And I can't wait to see him back on the court. And 
the Clippers to be doing what they're doing with a lot of, you know, not having their full squad is a good thing. But the only thing I will say that concerns me a little is I want all our guys get a couple, getting a couple games or at least a game or two before we get this tournament started because I want the full squad there. The main thing going into the playoffs is rhythm. And I think all of our guys following, especially the game today, really are starting to hit rhythm. And that's the reason why I say I don't want this bubble pop because right now we have no fucking excuses not to win the championship guys like i am telling y'all right now the clippers we are the best team in the league when healthy like we truly are unless lebron just completely outdoes Kawhi leonard in the playoffs if we place them if we face them i will like right now i do think we are the best team when paul george is playing like this when he's playing like no fans pg averaging 25 a game looking confident out there Yes, I do believe we are the best team. And Ivica Zubats has been none, nothing short of fantastic. Like, bro is finishing everything around the rim. He is playing great defense. And he's getting more minutes without Montrez. I mean, a lot of people are probably going to say, like, you know, wow, Zubats is playing way better than usual. No, he's just getting more minutes than usual because Montrez isn't playing. And us Clipper fans have been calling out for that a lot more. And it's not that... Montrez shouldn't be playing late in the fourth quarter. I just think there's certain situations where Zoo should be playing and Trez shouldn't. For example, if we're playing, you know, AD or like there was a game against Philly in Philly this season where we played Joel Embiid and we had Trez out there instead of Zoo. And that's just not the matchup. That's not good for our matchup and for our rebounding, for our size. Everyone says we have no rim protection. It's literally because you just haven't watched Ivica Zubats play enough. Like I'm not saying he's JaVale McGee or AD. But broken block shots, he's not bad moving his feet, and he's strong as shit. And another person that's been a real bright spot for the Clippers in the, in the GSL is Jamichael Green. Bro has been green fucking bean out here, hitting threes like there's no tomorrow. He even, you know, I saw him take Luka Doncic on a switch the other day, post him up, jump hook him to death. Jamichael Green. So if I'm, I'm, I'm feeling amazing right now as a Clipper fan. Like, I'm feeling great. And then today, to win with none of our... Like, Doc Rivers, if you didn't watch the game, he basically pulled out PG and Lou Williams, like, you know, to kind of just give the Blazers the game in a way um, to, you know, get that eight seed, to try to get that eight seed, because we all know that the Blazers are easily the Lakers' toughest opposition that they could potentially face. And we had Terrence Mann and Rodney Magruder late in the game with Patrick Patterson, and Rodney Magruder on an amazing find from Terrence Mann after a really, like, scramble kind of play was able to hit the go ahead three Rodney fucking Magruder who I believe even though he made that three shouldn't even sniff the court in regular minutes in the playoffs that was ridiculous and then for Damian Lillard the player who I consider the clutchest player in the NBA today to miss two free throws I mean you cannot script that and if they don't make the playoffs he's gonna really look back on that and be like fuck but overall, I'm still rooting for the Blazers. I think that they will still win out because I think that's going to piss Dame off a lot. I think he's going to come back and drop like 40 at least next game, to be honest. But for the Clippers, 3-2 and two in the bubble with two only two losses coming off game winners, one of which we were lazy as shit to start, and I know that's not going to happen in the playoffs. And no Patrick Beverly and Montrezl Harrell for basically all of the games. So... Also, Marcus Morris is looking better too, and Kawhi has looked better by the game, starting to look like that best player in the league that I think that he is. So if I'm a Clipper fan, guys, we're feeling good right now. This is the best I've ever felt going into the playoffs. And guess what? We are one win away from clinching the second seed for the first time in our history. I remember always wanting the Clippers to get the second seed during Lob City so we would have home court in the second round, which we've never had. 
Obviously, home court means nothing, but just to be a top two team for the first time is an, is an accomplishment in itself, and I'm really excited about this, guys. Knock on wood that we stay healthy for this playoff run because we have got the goods and a really motivated team. I just really want Lou Williams to be a little bit, you know, get a little bit more of a rhythm before the playoffs start. He's the only player I can say, you know, outside of Trez, and I guess Bev a little bit, that I'm a little concerned about. I want them to get some rhythm, some reps in. Lou Williams looked better today against Portland, but he's still not playing the minutes that he's going to be playing in the playoffs, and that's a little concerning. But other than that, I'm feeling really good if I'm the Clips, and to end it off on them as we segue into the Lakers, I want to say to Clipper fans out there, stop. And also Laker fans, but they don't really give a shit about us, so it's okay. Stop saying when we get to the conference finals. I know we're favorite. Do I believe we're going to get there? Yes. But let us not forget who we are. We are the LA Clippers. We have never made the conference finals. We've had as many chances, we've had more chances than Charlotte and New Orleans, who are the only teams not to do so. Stop looking ahead of opponents. The last time we said, oh, I can't wait to the conference finals, you know when that was? 2015, when we lost, we blew that stupid 3 1 lead. And we're not going to talk, I already talked about what happened then. So let us not look ahead. One game at a time, one round at a time. Right now it's looking like Dallas. So let's lock in on them. And now we segue to the Lakers. The Lakers responded poorly against Toronto with AD and LeBron both playing like shit. Then they responded with a nice little win against Utah with AD playing unbelievably. And then LeBron playing well in the fourth. Again, it was kind of similar to the Clipper game. Again, here's the thing. LeBron can play trash for the three quarters of the game or like average, I should say. I mean, it's trash for his standards. It's average for normal players because LeBron, he still gets other people open shots. He still does some good things out there. But um, if LeBron wins the game, guys, you're not going to find me critiquing him much because he's going to have to do things to win. Like, for example, against the Clippers and the Jazz, he didn't have the best game. But what did he do in the fourth quarter when it mattered? He won the game for his first team. He helped his team win. So LeBron's not going to get critiqued. But when you're playing Oklahoma City and you're losing by 20 points without Dennis Schroeder, who, in my opinion, I'm going to end the show with uh, my NBA awards to win sixth man of the year and you're getting 20-pieced. I understand these games have little to no importance for the Lakers since they have the one seed. But it's the same thing with the Clippers. This GSL, the biggest problem I had with it was only eight games to get your rhythm. So it's kind of just who can find their rhythm first. And Phoenix and Portland have really found that. And the Clippers are starting to find it. The Lakers are not in rhythm right now. Danny Green is broke right now from three. And here's the thing about Danny Green is we remember in the playoffs, I watched every Raptors game. He was very inconsistent all playoffs with his shot from three. You know, I, I have to ask Spurs fans. I don't really know any of them. If you're a Spurs fan, holler at me. But, like, was Drape, was Danny Green always slightly inconsistent as a three-point shooter? Because he's pretty knocked down for the most part, but I've noticed he can be really streaky. And there's some games where he'll go three for six, and there's some games where he'll go 0 for six. And, you know, the one thing, though, I'll say about Danny is he always will make somewhat of a positive impact because he's always going to play solid defense. So that's the thing I'll say about him. However, he needs to start getting it going. And, you know, we talk about when the Who's the Goat podcast. By the way, that's out full on YouTube if you haven't heard it. Please listen to it. But um, right now, that shit is aging like fine wine because LeBron is playing like garbage right now. Like, straight up, Danny Green is not in rhythm. And this is when I said a lot of things. LeBron making players spot-up shooters. Danny Green is a spot-up shooter. So he's a 3 and D guy. So he has no excuse. He needs to make those shots. He doesn't really have much outside of that. But Kuzma, who has been absolutely awesome so far for the Lakers on both ends, which I can't believe I'm saying is a really bright spot if you're a Laker fan. And 
He can't become a spot-up shooter now. Right now, Kuz is in a rhythm. The Lakers need to look to get him shots, look to put him in pick and roll a bit, look to feed him on mismatches. If Kuz just becomes a spot-up shooter for LeBron and AD and starts bricking, I'm warning you right now, it's their fault, not his. I mean, he has to take a little bit of accountability. As a basketball player, you need to make shots, no excuses. But there are things that you can be doing better as a teammate. Now, that's just me predicting what could happen. If LeBron's a smart guy, I'd hope he gets Kuz's touches. Actually, I mean, I hope he doesn't because I'm a Clipper fan. But if I'm a Laker fan, I hope he gets Kuz's touches. But that OKC game was really concerning, guys. I know you have the one seed, but it's time to get some rhythm. There are three games left. The Lakers basically gave up another one against Houston. So two and three, a lot of players out of sync. And this is on LeBron. And he's already, and here we go a fucking again. Already making excuses, saying, "Oh, there's something going on." I don't know to, uh, to the Athletic. I think one of the beat writers for the Lakers that works for the Athletic. You know, LeBron saying, "You know, there's reasons why we're not playing well, but uh, you know, I don't want to talk about him." Like, bro, excuses already? Leg excuse? Like, I swear to fucking God, y'all, especially to you Laker fans, if he does not eat in the playoffs, if he does not play like this playoff Bron that we've been talking about, because here's the thing: we've seen LeBron flip a switch especially 2018 when he had the four seed. But what happened with LeBron that season is he played 82 full games, right? He didn't play in an Orlando bubble. Did you hear what LeBron said? He said, I'm not, I mean, you say I'm experienced, but I'm not experienced playing in a bubble, you know, with no fans in the like, middle of July or, you know, in the end of July. And it's facts. He's right about that. But once again, he's making excuses. Just say you played poorly. Say we're going to play better next game. Like, what's good with that? And then you post on Instagram in a cryogenic chamber saying you're destroying everyone? Like, you guys need to understand when he puts these posts out on social media, these are receipts. When he does not perform, you get criticized. Don't shut your fucking mouth if you're not going to perform. Now, I'm premature. The Lakers are playing Indiana today, and LeBron could drop drop a 40-point triple-double. And then I'm going to go on my podcast and say he played well. Like... I'm not just saying this shit, guys. Do I fuck with LeBron? No, I don't. Do I hate him? Absolutely not. Do I want the Lake? Do I hate him on the Lakers? You better believe it, because LeBron fans mixed with Laker fans is a recipe for toxicity and you know not anything but music to my ears. I don't know what the opposite of music to my ears would be. It sucks. However, I'm gonna be objective with it. LeBron needs to step it up. Every Laker fan knows it. And uh, the Lakers need to find some rhythm before these, the season ends because if Portland plays them, so let's talk about the, the race for the eight seed before we uh, shift to end it with Boston. The race for the eight seed is really tight, and I'm really enjoying it. I think with, uh, you know, best wishes to Jaron Jackson Jr. from Memphis. Uh, he's a good player, and he's had a good season, and so is Memphis. You know, it sucks for them because I don't think they're going to make it now, nor do I want them to from an entertainment perspective. Um, Sacramento's done. I mean, yeah, the Kings. I, I, if I was a Kings fan, Jesus. Like, I don't know what's going on, man. The last time they made the playoffs was my first year watching basketball. The iPhone wasn't even like a thing yet when Sacramento was in the playoffs last time. So, you know, I love De'Aaron Fox, but like, shit. I don't know, man. New Orleans or San Antonio, we also do not want to see them. Like, oh, I'm so done with them. Like, you know, I love Pop. I like DeRozan. He's a USC guy, but shit, man. I had to listen, watch, We had to watch Tony, Timmy, and Manu pound everybody for 20 years like it's done like <laughs> i'm so over san antonio uh but anyway new orleans though let's talk about new orleans phoenix and portland for a sec new orleans is like a really likable team but what the fuck is going on with zion new cash cow nothing against the kid you've had four months of rest 
Like, what is going on? Now he's resting? He's not playing back-to-backs? What is he waiting for? The playoff push? I heard the TNT guys clowning him last night, as they should be. What the fuck are you waiting for? Are you just out of shape? Like, you're the me- like you're the, you're the most talked-about athlete coming out of college or coming to the NBA since LeBron, and you're out of shape? Like, and, and, and people want to put him in the rookie of the year ballot next to Morant, who has led a Grizzlies team who had no expectations to the eighth seed? Like, you're insulting him. Like, I'm not saying Zion wasn't eating before the season stopped, but what the fuck is going on right now? Like, what, what is going on? And, and the media still wants to shove him down our throats because everyone loves it. Like, I'm so tired of ESPN. I'm so tired of them. But then let's, uh, the, the two teams that I'm really enjoying, though, Phoenix. So I've been a big critique in the past of Phoenix, especially Devin Booker, because I've just said, like, you know, he just puts up empty stats. I've never seen him actually scare me in a game. I've never seen him worry me. I've never seen him look like he's leading a team to positivity except for his own statistics. Well, this year, my opinion changed on game number three of the Clippers regular season. We played Phoenix in Phoenix. We were 2-0. We had just beaten Golden State and LA Lakers, and we were just, like, you know, riding a high, and the Suns brought us to earth. And you know what I noticed? Everything different. Monty Williams has done such a great job with this team relative to all the coaches they've had in this, like, you know, this basically this entire 2010s decade. And I think that Phoenix just looks more engaged on defense. They actually look like they're trying. They actually look like they're trying to play winning basketball. And Devin Booker has been so good all season. He deserved MVP. He's gotten better in the pick and roll. He's gotten better at his individual portions of his game. I mean, this guy reminded me of Kobe in that last game. Like, he's got all the tools offensively. He's got mid-range game. He's got a decent post game. You know, obviously not Kobe-style post game, but the game has kind of shifted. So you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Not everyone's going to also have Kobe Bryant post game as a guard. But, you know, I've seen him hit some shots in the post. He can hit threes. He's good off the dribble. He's good at the rim. Like, Devin Booker, guys, watch out. Like, he's a problem. And then DeAndre Ayton, too. I mean, I've been a, I'm a, I really like Ayton. Like, I liked him in Arizona. And I think that without, with Ayton's suspension, had he not been suspended, I think the, the Suns would be right in that conversation with Memphis. Like, dead ass. Like, they are a good team. Kelly Oubre, you guys also have to remember, Kelly Oubre Jr. is not playing in these bubble games in the GSL. Like, Kelly Oubre is a good player, too. This Suns team is on the rise, guys, for the first time in a decade. And credit to the, to the management because they had... Um, so this brings me to my next point about what I saw last night on Inside the NBA. So I like Draymond Green. That's a, you know, most people don't like him, but I really like... Um, what I like about Draymond Green, and I mentioned this in my Who's the Goat episode, I'm going to do a video breakdown of his 2019 playoffs, you know, in, within, the, you know, in a couple of months. Just kind of breaking it down because I think that Draymond is one of the few players we have in the league that just doesn't give a shit about points and just makes pl- makes plays to help his team win. And I think that people do, people don't understand that because we're a lot of casual fans out there, especially my generation, that just look at box scores and love points. Basketball is not all about points. However, I didn't like what Draymond said last night. I don't like how he said that Devin Booker needs to leave Phoenix. And you might be listening. What's wrong with that? There's a lot of fucking things wrong with that. One... He's a current player. I know he's stating his opinion, but I don't fuck with the fact that you're trying to like persuade guys to leave. To do what? To potentially come go to Golden State? Or to just leave Phoenix? For what reason? Like I know you think that's in his best interest, but here's the thing. Devin Booker had a choice a couple years ago to re-sign or to leave. He chose to re-sign for a lot of money. Now he's locked in for a little bit, unless he asks for a trade. And right now, 
Like, here's what I hate and about our culture and about the current NBA. It's like, we have this belief that nobody can win in a small market anymore. Like, it's just impossible. Yes, it's hard to get free agents, and the media is trying so fucking hard to, like, you know, push everyone to New York and L.A. And listen to this, guys. I know that my team is the beneficiary of this, big time. Just because my team gets the benefits doesn't mean that it's fucking good for the game. It's horrible for the game, for all these players to try to, you know, say that you can't win in a small market. The Oklahoma City Thunder have been able to get Paul George, have been able to get Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, I don't give a shit if he was washed, it's still a name, to their small market. You know, you can draft great players and keep them. Look at San Antonio. They literally, like, they weren't all that before. Like, David Robinson is a good player, and, like, they went deep in the playoffs, but they were not a championship organization, and then they became one because they drafted Tim Duncan and Tony and Manu. It's all about the organization. It's not about the small market. The Phoenix Suns have been a good team since their inception. They literally made the playoffs their second year of existence with Connie Hawkins. I saw it. I'm seeing it. And then... You know, the 80s, they had some good years of Walter Davis and Alvin Adams. They made the fucking finals in the 70s. They made the finals in the 90s. And they were very relevant when I was a little kid with Steve Nash. Just this decade when they had Ryan McDonough as their general manager, they've been poor. Their owner has been the same owner since 2004. Their ownership isn't that bad as far as I know. So everyone's just saying like Phoenix is just some terrible organization. Like, no, look at your fucking history. Phoenix isn't that bad. Now, and here's what I hate. Things are finally looking good for Phoenix. And Devin Booker's getting a lot of credit for it, as he should. And the first inclination for everyone is to say, oh, he needs to get out of Phoenix. What the fuck? They're just finally playing well. They have a good young team. When his contract is up, if they haven't made the playoffs, then he can leave. Not now. Why is Draymond Green going out there persuading another player to leave when their team is finally getting good? I hate that shit. I hate that shit. It's bad for the game. We don't... It's not going to be fun. Like, here's the thing. I love soccer, and I'm a huge, like, you know, fan of the game. But soccer's super money-driven. And, you know, if you're not the Real Madrid, the Barca's, the Chelsea's, the Arsenal's, the United's, you know, it's really hard to sign players, and eventually you're probably not going to... You know, different fans have different expectations. But at least in American sports, one thing I'll say we do well is the draft and how shitty teams in small markets can get franchise players. Kind of like how you see in Milwaukee. And here's what I constantly hear is, oh, when Giannis loses, he should dip Milwaukee. Is it Giannis's fault or is it Milwaukee's fault? Has Giannis not won because of Milwaukee or is he not won because he's not good enough yet? My listeners are smart enough to realize it's not the fucking team's fault. Giannis just wasn't good enough to win last year. He didn't have a great jump shot. It's the NBA in 2020. If you want to be a good wing, you probably should have a decent jumper. Like, and we're pers- like if Giannis is really good enough, And and then he plays amazing, and then Middleton and the rest of them don't help him out. Then we can say he should leave Milwaukee. Now, bullshit, guys. Stop. You have to understand, there's only a certain amount of players that are really the best player on a championship team anyway. Ask yourself, before you say this guy should leave, are they even good enough to do it? Because if Giannis goes to Golden State and does the KD shit, of course he's fucking good enough to do it. But what what happened to KD? He He left Golden State to go to Brooklyn because he felt so bad about what he did because no one gave him credit. And good job for the fans. I will say this. Good job by the fans to make KD feel miserable about what he did. Because everyone knows that was a sellout move. You should share with the media too. Because even though the media tries to, you know, you got guys like Stephen A, who, you know, I think they, those guys, some of them, some of them try their best to be impartial. And, to, you know, you guys really shat on KD. And everyone did. So good job, guys. Because it made him, it made the league be fun again. Because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, 
And as far as most people are concerned, you know, if you still wanted the dick ride, KD, Steph, Clay, Draymond Warriors to be a thing, you know, you can go fuck yourself as far as I'm concerned. That's not fun. Not fun unless you're a Warriors fan. If you're a Warriors fan, of course you don't want it. But anyway, let's end with the... the oh, my, my bad. Uh, so Phoenix, yeah, things are looking up. Phoenix Suns fans, I really like DeAndre Ayton's game. I like his mid-range jumper. He can hit that contested. It's very old school. I like that. He just needs to be more aggressive and play with a little more assertiveness. But he's also only a second-year player, and he's barely even played this year, really. So things are going to look up for him. I think it's a great duo in the future. Book, Ayton, and then you got Kelly Oubre. And you can, you know, you know fine-tune the team, you know, around it. Anyway, Portland is also looking great. Obviously, we know that they've been an injury-plagued team. And it shows me more that it's not really Dame's fault that they've been doing poorly, which, you know, obviously I know Dame's great and he's a winner. But... You have to question, you know, sometimes when you're not watching all the games, if they're losing and you think they should be doing better, what's going on. This Summer League or the GSL showed me, you know, it's more that the, they've been so injured with Nurkic out, with Collins out, with McCollum out for large portions of the year. And I think even Dame was out for a little bit. It shows that it's all about the players. And I think Melo's been a great addition. I'm really enjoying watching him play. He's finally bought into a role for the first time since New York. So... Or, like, he's never had a role to play. He's been the star, usually. And in OKC, it looked weird in Houston for a little bit. It was like he didn't even get a chance. Portland, he looks like he's bought into his role, and I'm really enjoying it because Melo has a lot of aspects of his game that a lot of players still don't have. Like, I was watching him work in the post against Houston, and he was so good. One thing I've noticed, guys, during this GSL is players suck at finishing compared to the old players. They miss a lot of layups. I've seen so many chippies missed. And no, but people are really easily getting pushed out of the post. They're getting, like, people are just pushing them off the, off the ball. I saw Melo do an amazing job. Somebody was really trying to push him, and he was just ready to spin, just ready to counter, basically, everything that they th- that someone tried to throw at him in the post. And it's because he has that skill. And that's why Melo's, you know, in his prime, one of the better scorers to play the game. So I'm really rooting for Portland to make top for the Lakers because without Avery Bradley, we saw the game after Kobe died. It was a really tough game to watch, but Damian Lillard just went next level, like, you know, Kobe style on that game. And... Dame and CJ, I know they just lost to the Clippers, but, you know, it's one game. I think they're going to be tough for the Lakers, and I think size-wise they're going to match up really well with Whiteside, Nurkic, and Zach Collins, all of which you can defend and all of which you can score to some extent. The biggest, and Gary Trent Jr., shout-out to him. He's fucking, you know, wetting everything, it seems. But the biggest thing for the Blazers is they really don't have anyone that can guard LeBron, honestly. So I think more so than AD in that series, if they play, it's going to have to be more about LeBron. He may need to average 30 points. Anyway, let's end it with the Celtics. So Boston um, played Toronto yesterday in what looks like it could be the 2-3 matchup. And it was literally demolition derby for the Celtics for the second straight game. They were rolling on all cylinders. Like, the big four was playing awesome. Tatum's looking better by the game. Jalen and Hayward have looked fantastic since this GSL began. And Jalen Brown, guys... He has come a long way. I have previously said that I just didn't think that, you know, his ceiling would be like a low-level all-star. But wow, that kid has taken his game to the next level. He's got an ISO package now. His jumper is like, especially from the corner, almost automatic now. And if you haven't watched Jalen Brown play this season, guys, he is, I'm telling you right now, I was wrong. Like, bro is the real deal. He's getting better every year. He approaches the game the right way. And he's going to be an all-star next year, guaranteed. The same way I said Siakam was going to be an all-star this year, last year. Jalen Brown, all-star, guaranteed next year. He's been fantastic. Hayward last night looking really good. With uh, I saw there was one play where he was 
zooming down the court, Utah style, change of direction, change of pace, lefty lay, and one. Hayward's looking fantastic. And then Kemba Walker, who's been on a minutes restriction, looked better last night than he's looked. So if I'm the Celtics, it's kind of the same as the Clippers. I just want to see my team, the big four especially, get rhythm. Because there's been a lot of games this season where the Celtics have been extremely cautious. Sitting one of which, one of Hayward, Kemba, Hayward, or Jalen. It seems like at all times, kind of load managing with them. But they're playing together now, and they need to get games together. Because they haven't had two. I, I don't know. Celtics fans, let me know how many games have Jalen, Kemba, Hayward, and Tatum all played together. Because I don't think it's been that many. But the Celtics, guys, I'm feeling really good if I'm a Celtics fan going into this uh, tournament. Because Toronto, just because they beat the Raptors by 20, 30 points, doesn't mean that that's the way the series is going to go. It's going to be like an easy series, 4-0-4-1. It doesn't mean that's how the series is going to go. The Raptors are still a good team. And they play well, and they're very experienced, and they play well on both sides of the court. However, if I'm making a pick... Celtics in six, seven max. I think the Celtics have a lot of weapons. I think Tatum and Siakam for who's the best player in the series is going to be an interesting matchup, and it's going to pay. It's going to be big who can uh, outperform the other. Except I think for the Celtics, like for for me, Siakam needs to be the best player for the Raptors to win. For me, Tatum doesn't necessarily even need to be the best player for the Celtics to win. And that's where I think Boston has the advantage. But let's not forget Fred, Kyle Lowry, and Kyle and Kemba Walker as of this season, are on the same level. Lowry's had a better season than him. But as of right now, that's a pretty cancel-out matchup to me. I mean, I'm still going Kemba by a bit. Raptors fans, you know, and I hate that. And then, you know, as the third guy, you know, Freddie Van Vliet may not be as good as Jalen Brown, but I think he can, you know, maybe match him up points-wise. But it's not going to be as easy as you think, Celtics fans. However, I'm feeling really good about the Ben Simmons injury, even though I want to say one thing. I'm not the biggest Ben Simmons fan, and I know Celtics fans despise him, but... Let's not, you know, cheer for people getting injured, guys. Like, Kevin Durant got hurt last year. I don't fuck with the guy at all. I don't fuck with LeBron right now. But if he was to get injured, I would, ne I would never be happy about that. These guys are still humans. They're still athletes. you got to have some kind of sympathy for them. Like, if they lose in a game, if they fuck up in a game, sure. But they're getting hurt, not even getting a chance to take the court, you know. That sucks. So, best wishes, Ben Simmons. I hope you get well soon. But if I'm a Celtics fan, I'm feeling good about that because of the the possibilities of playing Philly in the first round, and that basically kills the Sixers' season, in my opinion. Boston would, I would, if I'm the Celtics, I want Philly first round, I want Toronto next round, and then we face Milwaukee or Miami, and we'll see what happens there. Because I really just don't think the Bucks are all that, and they're not in rhythm right now. They're not in rhythm, guys. Anyway, so I'm feeling good about the Celtics and the Clippers, and by the way, guys, if we somehow do end up matching up in the finals... I had to listen to all you guys when the Dodgers lost. I had to get I had to see the riots happen around me and I was devastated. I had to witness the Rams lose the Super Bowl and hear two times as much shit and go through two times as much shit. So if the Los Angeles Clippers win their first ever championship, something that I have thought about my whole life, brings me tears just thinking about. I don't give a fuck if it's the GSL or if it's, you know, the NBA Finals regularly, y'all will never, beating the mighty Celtics with Bill Russell, Larry Bird, the history, oh my goodness, guys, you will never hear the end of it. So I, I, I really hope if I were you that the Clippers do not play Boston in the Finals because if, they, if the Clippers play the Celtics in the Finals and lose, 
yeah, I'm probably just going to deactivate every single social media I have and never be seen for the rest of my life. But if we win, which we will if we play you guys, you're never going to hear the end of it for the rest of your life. So get ready for every time you see me for me to remind you of it. Because no matter what you say, no matter how much props you give us, you're going to feel at least a little bit of what I felt when you guys beat us. And you'll never actually feel it because unless you were in LA trapped watching everybody celebrate around you, you'll never feel how I felt. But guess what? I'm going to make it miserable for you if you win. Sorry, not sorry. Go Clips. Fuck the Celtics. But anyway, Celtics are looking really good, guys. So I'd be really optimistic about that. Now to end off the show, I'm going to talk about my picks for the awards. They were The nominees were announced today. MVP was Giannis, LeBron, and uh, Harden. Um, Harden obviously leading the league in scoring. His team has, in my opinion, you know, are, are, are very dangerous going into the playoffs, especially because they've found some rhythm. Harden's feel, looking really good right now. But, you know, I think that they could have been high. They, it, with Westbrook and James Harden on your team, you should have a better record than the Denver Nuggets. I'm sorry. You should. So Harden should win MVP. Uh, LeBron, you already know what I have to say about him winning MVP. And my, like, guys, let me just say this. LeBron is the most valuable player on the Lakers. There's no question about it. The team was built around his personnel. He's always been the most valuable player. The way he plays is like very stagnant offenses with him doing everything, creating shots. Did you hear, if you heard Draymond Green last night and you know how smart he is, he said it last night about Harden and I know he's implying it to an extent with Braun. Stagnant offenses are the easiest to guard. It's when everyone is moving that it's difficult. And a lot of times with LeBron, it's stagnant offenses. LeBron does everything, drive and kick. And, you know, that means he's the most valuable player on his teams. But if you were to ask me without any media narratives, without any social media, me watching every Laker game like I have, same with all the Laker fans, who's been the best player on the Lakers? It's a debate. I say AD. Some may say LeBron. But it's a debate. It's not so clear-cut in one direction. And I think Anthony Davis, if it was up to me, should be in that MVP instead of LeBron. But, you know, the fact that LeBron's in there and I'm talking about it this much, Shows me that, like, I swear to God, if he wins, guys, you're going to hear a rant so bad. Like, I'm actually going to lose all respect for the MVP awards, straight up. Because age, LeBron has had an unbelievable season. I think this has actually been one of the best of his career. However, Giannis plays so hard on both ends in the regular season, and this is a regular season award. LeBron is better at basketball than Giannis. Until the playoffs, I will not say otherwise. LeBron is better. But... Giannis works his ass off on both ends of the regular season. He plays with, like, sheer force. He has better stats. He leads his team in, like, every category. Like, this is a no-brainer, guys. You know what sucks is that Giannis is going to have more MVPs than guys like Kobe after this after this season. Guys like Hakeem. Yeah, it sucks. Is he better than Kobe? Fuck no. Is he better than Hakeem? Fuck no. But you know what those guys won that he hasn't? Finals MVPs. That's what's important. Regular season MVP may be harder to win. Like, you have to try harder to win instead of playing one series. But the better players... I mean, not better players, but the true greats have more finals MVPs than MVPs. Or around the same amount. And Giannis should win MVP for me. If LeBron wins, I'm going to be so mad. And not to say that he hasn't had an MVP season, but there's a one clearly deserving candidate more. I think LeBron and AD have both had MVP seasons. But that's why they shouldn't win, in my opinion. Uh, sixth man of the year, to our, both Lou and Trez again on the, uh, on the ballot. I love it. But in my opinion, neither of them should win this year. Lou definitely shouldn't win this year. I think Dennis Schroeder because Dennis Schroeder, I thought his role would be, you know, minimized this year with SGA and Chris Paul. And he's had the best season of his career. He's been extremely clutch. He's been amazing off the bench and a huge reason why that team is a top six seed. So Dennis Schroeder for me is the MVP. I mean, I'm sorry, the sixth man of the year for sure. Uh, if Trez wins, I'll be happy. If Lou wins, that's a joke. Sorry, Lou. Love you. 
but no. Um, Coach of the year, Nick Nurse for me. Uh, I think Billy Donovan's done a great job, but once again, we've seen Billy Donovan coach teams, and it's not like I don't like when a, when a, when a coach has coached teams, and then people are saying that he's done a poor job, and then you get a new group of players, and now he's magically done a good job. That's not how that works. Sometimes, I mean, of course, a coach, you know, the personnel may fit a coach better, but at the end of the day, it's the players. Oklahoma City Thunder's players have not gotten enough credit. People. They're a surprise because we didn't give their players enough credit before the season. I was telling my friends that I don't think they're going to be an easy out this year. I never said they make the playoffs. But some of them laughed at me. People were writing off Chris Paul way too easily because James Harden, once again, puts people in a box because he's super ball dominant and likes to dribble, dribble, dribble. Chris Paul likes to dribble, dribble, dribble too. And he was ineffective last year, along with injuries. And then, of course, SGA and Gallo, who people just didn't watch Clipper games last year and didn't realize how nice they were. This does not surprise me at all that SGA is doing this. I thought he would average like 15 or 16, though, not going to lie. Not 19. But like, does it surprise me, really? No, he's fucking nice. And Gallinari is really good, too, and he's putting up like the same stats. And you know what's funny? SGA has now made the playoffs, what, two years in a row on two teams that weren't expected to make it. I wonder why. Maybe there's a little more to it than just Billy Donovan. Nick Nurse, on the other hand, I thought they were going to be a six seed. They have basically the same team. They just lost Kawhi, and they are, you know, second seed. The team plays amazing together. They play well on both ends, and they all make the right plays. That's a well-coached team. Nick Nurse also won a championship as a rookie head coach. That's I think Steve Kerr is the only person to do that besides him. And Tyron Lue. So, like, Nick Nurse for me, coach of the year. And then defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis. Um, I haven't watched enough Bucks games to have a... This is why I say defense is bullshit with the stats. I can't tell you if Giannis has been better defensively than AD. But what I can tell you is that AD has been the best defensive player I've watched this year. And I think he deserves to win defensive player of the year. Especially with the reason that Giannis is going to win MVP probably. They better give that AD defensive player of the year. He deserves to win. And also, I better not see Kawhi on first team all defense. Because he doesn't try hard enough in the regular season for me. On defense. He doesn't get the best assignments. Marcus Smart should make it. It's insulting just because he's Kawhi Leonard. I'm going to be impartial. He has been, he's a great defender, but he has not been first team all defense this year. No. Marcus Smart should make it when he's diving on the floor every game like that. Kawhi's not. In the playoffs, maybe we'll see, we'll see that Kawhi probably. So we'll see what the media does. I guarantee you they won't do what I say they should do because they don't watch games like me. Anyway, um, any other awards worth forgetting? Uh, most improved, Bam Adebayo um, for me for sure. Brandon Ingram, SGA, they have improved their game and taken it to the next level, but it's mostly confidence and just, you know, stuff I knew they had in them. Jalen Brown has busted out some stuff I did not know he had in him, so I think he should be on that ballot instead of Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic is taking a huge leap, but guys, he was a rookie. Do you, don't you think his confidence is going to go up? Like, yes, his numbers are, you know, drastically better, but like, come on. Like, you can't tell me this wasn't that shocking to you. Like, Luka Doncic is one of the best young players the NBA's ever seen. You had fucking Chris Broussard saying that he's the best 20-year-old he's ever seen. Is that blasphemy? Fuck yeah, Magic Johnson, are you kidding? But shit, dude, the fact that he's even being compared to him just shows how well he's done. Like, Luka shouldn't win. Siakam shouldn't win. Did LeBron, was, was he in most improved talks when he improved his PPG from 20 to 27 in year two? No. Bam Adebayo, nobody was talking about him last year. Like, if you're not a Heat fan, I rarely heard his name in any basketball-related conversation. And he's bringing up the ball. Like, running the show. An all-star. If somebody was to tell me Bam Adebayo was going to be an all-star before the year, what do you think I would have told him? What? Come on, guys. It's so obvious he should win. It's so obvious to me. Brandon Ingram's been great. And also, this team's not even going to make the playoffs, man. Anyway... 
I think that's all the awards that I can think of. Defensive, Rookie of the Year. Oh, Rookie of the Year, John Morant. I already talked about that earlier in the podcast, obviously. And there it is. Those are my awards. And that is my coast-to-coast report. If you have a name that's better for this than that, suggest it to me. But that's it, guys. Lakers, Clippers, Celtics. I'm always going to be talking about them. Tell me what you think. Go Clippers, baby. Let's go.